Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org. Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Jean Till. And on today's show, it's that time of year we're visiting with Tom Chapman, (laughs) the Executive Director of the Iowa Catholic Conference, as we're looking ahead to the soon to start uh, 2024 legislative session. Yeah, so the political winds are blowing, and uh, here we are. We know uh, next Monday, the 15th, is not only Martin Luther King Day, Day of the Iowa caucuses for at least one party as well, the format changing for the Democrats, but... uh, so we'll see what emerges there. Uh, you know, I, I just hope I get a few more flyers in the mail because I haven't quite decided <laughs> yeah, yet I mean, who we, I should. Call you know, the media one. will be sad because all the attack ads will wind down <laughs> oh. here. But uh, but uh, the graces of the Christmas season carrying over into ordinary time mm-hmm. and uh, the feast of the baptism of the Lord on Monday. So another yeah. truncated uh, season, if you will, very rapid. And here we are in ordinary time. And uh, our, and when uh, do you take down your Christmas tree? Is it the uh, baptism? Is it Epiphany? I, I, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and if I could be honest and say, it probably won't be me taking down the Christmas tree <laughs> this year, but I always tended to keep my decorations up till the February 2nd, the Feast mm-hmm. of the Presentation of the Lord. Yep. You know, I just thought that gave me a little extension there. But, there you uh, go. Of yeah. the spirit. But uh, uh, actually, our Mink region, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, the Region 9 bishops are concluding their retreat, their annual retreat at Prince of Peace Abbey out in Oceanside, California. So very little well, sympathy good. for us, you know. But, no, uh, but you've had a schedule that, oh, would well, make the rest of us. You know, but yeah. I, I always look out at Christmas Eve or any, and I just think of all these families, they've got to be at this grandma's house and then this mm-hmm. grandparent. I mean, it's an intense schedule for them. So I think we're all, you know, kind of immersed yeah. in it. But uh, we are very privileged to sit at the feet of Archbishop Terrence Prendergast, retired Jesuit Archbishop of Ottawa, Cornwall, Canada. And he was very enthusiastic uh, looking at the Gospel of Mark uh, and other aspects of the mystery. So we'll be well-fed by him. Uh, Archbishop Lucas, reti- Emeritus Archbishop Curtis, Archbishop Nauman, Archbishop uh, James Donston from Kansas City, St. Joe, and about 11 of us will be together. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing and uh, a little fraternity there. But we do keep silence for the better part of it. We, we are allowed to break our silence a little bit before supper each night. But uh, generally, uh, the, the, the brother bishops are very good about that. And, Opportunities for Hence reconciliation. why I'm not going to be a bishop. Well, there's many reasons. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And, uh, you know, the uh, the feasts that we have, when we up St. Hillary and St. Anthony. St. Anthony, I'm a big fan. He's I put him into overtime work for me, trying to find lost items. But then I'm <laughs> going to roll right into uh, a conference at the University of San Diego, Lighting the Way Forward. So I'll conclude the retreat. And partly in my role as uh, chair of the Higher Education Working Group of the USCCB, but this is a, a conference to explore what it means to be a Catholic college or university at this moment in history, mm. concerned with challenges not only with climate change, but structural racism, lack of trust in institutions and breakdown of communities, polarizing political discourse, how appropriate on the heels of the caucuses, religious disaffiliation, and more. So as COVID crisis decelerates, what we can do to promote flourishing in our emerging context. So care for the common home, justice, equity, diversity, liberal arts across the curriculum, the emerging challenges, opportunities, and needs of Generation Z. And that particular last one really interests me. Holy uh, moly, yeah, that's I mean, an agenda. All that in two days, they're going to cover all those topics as well. But uh, uh, Jean Twang is a professor of psychology at San Diego State. She's going to be appearing, and uh, I haven't bought her books yet, but Generation Me, Why Today's Americans Are More Confident, Assertive, Entitled, 
and more miserable than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I think that plays with some things that we've looked at with the Surgeon General's report and, and other things as well. So uh, just the opportunity to, to listen, to engage, and to, again, take the pulse so that uh, I can be more equipped in my perspective and to, to animate our brother bishops and uh, all that we're about there. So uh, a nice little opportunity to be west, to uh, connect with some friends and come back then. And uh, settle in. We got a little writing project ahead of me, you know, as we continue with strategic visioning. So, mm. trying to write a maybe kind of a not a whole pastoral letter, but a, kind of an introduction to some things. But we're going to probably dedicate a show or two to that uh, coming up very quickly. And in your spare time, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we and we got to watch college basketball That's on the side, right. you know. That's right. <laughs> Is there anything else? Oh no. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll be visiting with Tom Chapman, executive director of the Iowa Catholic Conference and looking ahead to the 2024 legislative session. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. And on today's show, we're visiting with Tom Chapman, Executive Director of the Iowa Catholic Conference, as we look forward to this 2024 legislative session. And uh, Tom, it's great to have you. You're quite a friend, not only of Iowa Catholic Radio, but making it personal. And so it is the season here, you know. I mean, I know some are looking toward the Super Bowl, but uh, you, you, get, <laughs> you get revved up for uh, the legislative session opening up, which yeah. you did. Uh, this is the week. This week, yeah. Yep. So. Uh, we're kind of uh, anticipating with this show, but uh, so the governor will have uh, presented her state of the state address. Yeah, not much is getting done this week for sure with the caucuses coming up next Monday night. You know, everybody's focused. A lot of the legislators are working for different candidates, and so they're not even around. And so not a lot will get done till that's all wrapped up. Okay. Well, you mentioned the caucuses. Just kind of talk about that. And, you know, we get little primers on what this all entails, but a little different format on one side of the aisle this year. But, uh, you know, what are things that maybe as Catholics we can be kind of zeroed in on and, and pondering, praying, and then making choices? Well, we certainly encourage people to participate, you know, and, and both parties are having caucus meetings, which are basically just neighborhood meetings, you know, to talk about issues. And on the Republican side, they'll collect, you know, people's preferences for what candidate they want for president. On the Democratic side, they're just doing mail-in this time. So we, you know, won't know the results right away. It'll take some time to get the results. But to me, the most important things is about getting together with your neighbors and hoping to bring your conscience and your faith into that discussion about what should be important in the state of Iowa and what should we be talking about. So we really encourage people to participate um, if you go to our website and kind of if you just Google caucus like a Catholic, you know, <laughs> it'll take you to our uh, page that we have on our website with links to the political party websites and some information about how to participate and, and where to find out where the meetings are, you know, that sort of thing. So we certainly hope that people do that. Which so, is org. That's right. org is our website. So people are probably committing themselves to about two hours on a, on a January, oh, Monday night. Right? Yeah, and yeah. some can take longer than others, depending upon how many people show up and things like that and how efficient, you know, the people, the precinct chair is in terms of running that. But also, I mean, just in terms of the political piece of it, if there are some things that you would like your precinct to work on, I mean, you should really stay to the end of the meeting because they'll when those votes are taken or proposals brought up, it's going to be the people who are still there 
not the people who said, oh, I want this for president and then took off, mm-hmm. you know. So you kind of got to be there for the process. The last shall be first in that regard. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and individual uh, uh, proponents of various candidates will have a chance to give a little speech. It's not a stump speech so much, but just to kind of speak. But uh, there's not. it doesn't then devolve into, like, pro wrestling or anything like that. Well, it? at least uh, <laughs> not, not what I've heard of, you know, but this year you never know. But um, the nice thing is sometimes you'll get to hear from people who are very – passionate about their candidate and occasionally candidates will just show up to the precinct, you know, depending upon what precinct you're in and things like that. But people will speak in terms of, you know, who they want to to win and it can be very impassioned and they can have very good ideas or not so good ideas, but that's what makes it interesting, you know, is that you're together with people who live in the same place you do and that community aspect should not be lost. And I think that's lost at the federal, you know, national news level, because all they're concerned is the horse race, who's going mm-hmm. to win. But I think for Iowans, I think it's not a bad idea that we get in front of each other, talk to each other, look each other in the eye, and talk about what's important. Yeah, and that civility should reign. And uh, this may be the person who's shoveling your walk, and uh, you know, the neighborliness, so. yeah. you know, mm-hmm. should prevail. Yeah, I think for the most part it does, because people know that this is, you know, it's a horse race for a lot of people, but. You know, for the people who are just coming to show up, they know that they're with their neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so somehow the instinct of the many, you know, in this sense, too, because it's a proportionate distribution then, on the, at least on the Republican side this year, you know, yeah. where, where they go with it. So every vote matters in a way. You know, well, I think it is. Not- and some precinct is very, very important that you show up if you're interested in a candidate because that'll get you kind of over the top in terms of delegate representation to the county level, because mm-hmm. these are precinct caucuses. Then those people, um, there are representatives that would go to the county convention and then to the state convention. So and if you stayed at through, the end, you, you may stayed, be one you of those. You might be one of those. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly uh, exactly the point. If you stick around, you may get to participate more because a lot of people don't want to make that commitment. But if you're interested, you should stick around and put your name forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Okay. Well, let's turn to the, the legislature, and uh, I'm privileged to collaborate with you, the Iowa Catholic Conference, kind of the chair of that, uh, until Archbishop Zinkula seizes it back in Dubuque, <laughs> you know, in his proper role as Metropolitan. But uh, but no, being here, I think it affords us that kind of natural opportunity to engage in things uh, toward the latter part of the session that are kind of bubbling up you know, in the watches of the night, too. So, But uh, yeah. we kind of uh, set some priorities and things. Um, just to reflect back one uh, moment here again, some of the kind of maybe significant decisions that were controversial, dealing with human identity, uh, you know, the kind of content that we're presenting to our young people and the relationship of parents and their children, some of that was maybe stymied a little bit by a recent federal injunction. Exactly. There was a bill that was passed by the legislature, which did actually did a lot of things, but three of the things were, you know, you couldn't have books in the school libraries that depicted sexual activity. Um, it was talking about you had to make sure that parents were notified if a child wanted to change their pronouns or identity, and you couldn't do education uh, to elementary school children about you know gender identity issues. Uh, we supported the last couple of those. Um, a federal uh, judge actually uh, struck down, uh, enjoined most of the bill. Um, it, it took away the pieces that had to do with books and the pieces that had to do instruction. Um, the part that where parents needed to be notified about what their children were asking for, that is still in the law and in force. And so we were happy about that. And that's one of those things, you know, there's a lot of debate about it. But 
90% of Iowans would say, yeah, parents should be notified of something mm-hmm. going on with their kids. Um, that's pretty non-controversial when it comes down to it. So we'll just have to see. I don't know that the legislature is going to take any action on this uh, issue this year. I think they feel that that's pretty much they've done what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to see how the lawsuit progresses. And that would go through the federal court system then? Yeah, and it could take quite a while, you know, with those things in the federal courts and the state courts for that matter. Um, so we're just going to have to wait and see. It won't be done this legislative session. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the judiciary there. But uh, uh, priorities for us, I know, no, no great surprises, but uh, some of the kind of nuts and bolts of things that uh, the legislature might be looking at. Uh, we think about human life and dignity, education, uh, the, the justice claims of the ability to have access and to, and uh, you know, that racism, obviously, if it's latent and systemic in any way. But uh, what would be some things that you would want to, your, your attention is going to be directed to? Well, we're kind of watching right now. The Iowa Supreme Court has the so-called heartbeat bill in front of it, which would stop abortions after a heartbeat could be detected. And so once again, I think the legislature is going to kind of wait on that particular issue and see what the Iowa Supreme Court does. Uh, they came back in July. You know, there was a one-day session in July to pass that bill. Now we're going to wait. So I think that's kind of in abeyance at the moment. Um, but we definitely are looking at some uh, different things that we would like to do. We've been working uh, with the public schools on a proposal for uh, more funding for children who are in poverty that are going to preschool to kind of increase the preschool funding for that. And that's been a very good collaboration, of course, after the last you know, a few years we've, you know, generally we work with the public schools pretty well, except on the issue of education savings account and school choice. Um, but this has been a good collaboration. So we're looking forward and, and to that. And this really wouldn't have anything to do with the ESAs or would no, it? No, it would have nothing to do with that. that. It really, yeah. yeah, it has to do with the state's voluntary preschool uh, system, which many of our Catholic preschools uh, participate in with the public school district. And it, it, in fact, it's totally up to the school district whether other community providers can participate. As it happens in the city of Des Moines, it works very well. And that collaboration has been great, you know, for 15 years. Other parts of the state, it works well in some areas. Other parts of the state, you know, they're kicking us out because they're mad about the ESAs. Mm-hmm. So there's some back mm-hmm. and forth on that yet, which human nature being what it is. But I think that education piece will be something that will be addressed, you know, kind of from our legislative agenda pieces. And, of course, we're always looking to, you know, support mothers and families. And they're continuing to tweak Iowa Moms, which is the program to get those, help get some funding to pregnancy centers, um, which I think that's going to, uh, that's continued to going to be an issue. They issued yet another RFP to help uh, get some funding out. In fact, I should be hearing, you know, uh, any moment now about, what centers are going to get the money in the near term, and then we'll continue to work on that to make the program better. So some of the critics of the Iowa Moms Law say that the the inability to secure someone who would oversee the, the distribution of funds uh, reflects a kind of weakness or flaw in this, and that systemically uh, it's not all. Yeah, I mean, I be. think in retrospect, the legislators put the bill together the way they wanted to, and we supported it. It was written very specifically uh, for certain vendors, I would say because the legislators like their vendors. Um, and <laughs> But that being said, uh, Iowa Health and Human Services did not like that vendor. So that's why it wasn't awarded. And it got that vendor got rejected a couple times. And so I think we just need to move on with that and find something that, 
you know, health and human services feels work better. But that's their job. You know, I mean, they're supposed to vet these things and I'm not arguing with their decision. It's just, you know, it's, it's kind of a difference of opinion, I think, of whether who can do the job. The reason you wanted that vendor is because a lot of the pregnancy centers, um, and this would be true in all states, but they're very nervous about having some kind of interaction with the state. And so this would provide kind of a buffer between the state and the pregnancy centers. Um, different states do it differently. Other states just provide the funding directly to pregnancy centers. That works very well. And so I think we're going to see a combination of those things in the future. Now, yeah, there has to be some accountability well, in that the data, you know, and we understand some absolutely. people want to pr- pr- protect their medical privacy and things, you know, but at the same point, you know. Yeah, I mean, you have to fund those things, know what you're funding, what services you're funding, and who can do it, you know. And uh, in my view, there's a lot of mom-and-pop pregnancy centers that are doing great things, may not want to get involved. There's others that are doing great things, but could use that state funding to provide more services and more supplies for moms. And I think that's going to work itself out, but I think the accountability piece will still be there. You know, and that, in my impression and in my role with uh, Biking for Babies, it seems the state of Missouri has done very well in this area and should be a, a source of encouragement for us that this yeah, is and possible. We've, we absolutely have looked at that program, and I think they've got a good model uh, Minnesota was doing a good job, but in their new environment, they kind of got rid of the program, which was disappointing. But um, there's a lot of states that do provide this funding for centers, and we're going to keep working on it. And and absolutely wanting to see the standard of care upheld. That you know, you talk about mom and pop, but no, that the, the, the high standard of medical practice in accord with you know uh, the, uh, the requirements of of the respective licensing agencies. Um, so. Uh, other possible issues, you know, we think about trying to contribute to flourishing of families. Uh, the, the minimum wage, uh, do you think that's going to be coming up this session? You know, or? I don't think so. Um, it's disappointing in that it's never really talked about. Um, it's just not, to be frank, a Republican issue to talk about it. And uh, to me, the argument is the argument they're making is, well, people are making much more than that, you know, and, and in many cases in the state they are. But if that is, in fact, the case, then what's the problem raising the minimum in the mm-hmm. law? You know, some pe- people are not getting that minimum, even. We know that. Uh, wage theft does exist in Iowa, and uh, it's something that we should be looking at minimum wage and probably some things, uh, not necessarily new laws, but people who could actually look for that sort of thing and enforce the laws. Explain that term, wage theft. Well, it's when people don't get paid what they're due. Okay. Mm. And if you look at the nationwide studies, that is rampant you know, in different, depending on the city and the neighborhood and things like that. And the state of Iowa, literally, at last we checked, they had like one person looking into those things. And we know, I mean, this gets into much bigger issues like trafficking for labor, things like that. And actually, that's one of the things that we've talked with some legislators about is what can we do to really go after the people who are trafficking people for labor, whether it's for sexual or just for work labor, sort of thing. And so um, that's one thing to get some resources to prosecutors to actually be able to prosecute those things and look for, look for things would actually be helpful to people um, because we know people are in bad spots in the state. Um, and I can give you the anecdotes, but uh, we shouldn't think it doesn't happen here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And, uh, you know, that kind of puts us in the position of talking about immigration, but we're coming up on a, on a break pretty quickly. Very complicated issue. Obviously, the matter of asylum, uh, some of the criticisms level against Catholic charities, which, you know, they, we've tried to be agents of truth, dispelling some of the things that uh, are not accurate about that. 
But uh, there's no doubt that uh, the present executive administration, there's been an increase. And yet, uh, thankfully, uh, also the opportunity to bring refugees legally into the state, our Catholic Charities coordinating that, Afghanistan, Syria, other places as well. But uh, immigration, is it too big to, to even wrap our minds around, Tom? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'll just give you a little preview of what we can talk about. I mean, obviously, the Catholic Church teaches that countries have a right to regulate their immigration at the border. And so obviously the country has that right uh, to make it regulated. At the same time, we should be as welcoming as possible in the environment that we're in. And this is not an impossible problem to deal with, but the parties don't want to deal with it. I mean, different parties have had control over the past 20, 30 years, and they haven't really addressed the fundamental issues um, and we can talk some more about that. Okay, so yeah. there we've poked the bear, and then we'll just leave that <laughs> hanging over the break. Okay. <laughs> well, stay with us as we continue our conversation with Tom Chapman, Executive Director of the Iowa Catholic Conference and the 2024 Legislative Session. To find out more about the legislative agenda for the Iowa bishops, go online to iowacatholicconference.org. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. So we raised the big I word, immigration, and, uh, you know, obviously it evokes a lot of different uh, passions and things. But, you know, the, present, the status quo in some ways, and if it were to be intensified to simply say, sorry, the park's closed, how does that in, empower the bad guys? In this? Well, I think it, it just gives them more power to try to get more money to try to find yet another way to get people into the country. I think what the bishops have been asking for for years is, a, I would say, a more sensible system, which has more visas for lower skilled workers who are able to actually get into a line then with some prospect of success and to come here to work legally, you know, whether that's a guest program or not. So I think there are things we could do to help at the border. But right now it's just very difficult in terms of so many people are coming. Uh, the cartel, I th- from all indications, has control of who gets in and who gets out as well. Mm-hmm. And then Catholic Charities is just trying to help the people in front of them at the border. So I don't mean to say it's an easy issue to solve, but there are some things we haven't tried that we probably should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, But the, the political culture contributes to the kind of stasis, as you said. So would there be more promising uh, developments? I think the governor has uh, spoken out on the need, you know, the, the, the rampant need for increased mental health services, you know, whether telemedicine or other things too. Can we see something possibly unfolding at the state level there? Well, I think that's definitely a possibility. The legislature's done some good work over the last couple of years in terms of telemedicine and, and mental health and things like that. And some of the Catholic charities in Iowa have some very robust programs for that. I know the Diocese of Sioux City Catholic Charities has had that as kind of a priority in rural areas. Um, and I think that's important, too, because there is a lot of, obviously, mental health issues out there and despair and things like that. And the more services we can help people with, the less there's going to be a push to have some kind of assisted suicide or some of the things that we see in Canada where they're really, you know, if you feel bad, they're offering you ways to kill yourself. You know, mm-hmm. and that's not where we want to go in Iowa or this nation. I think um, I don't think there's a big prospect that that's going to happen anytime soon in Iowa, but we are actively talking to legislators about that and why that's a bad idea. So, And the Trojan some, horse in this yeah. could be is that it would be wheeled in under the uh, auspices of hospice care, right? right. Could that be mm-hmm. one of the... You know, and of it's too bad, too, because hospice is very important, but it creates suspicion among some people. What is hospice really for, you know? 
and hospice at its best is a beautiful service for people as they're nearing the end of their lives here on earth, you know. And so we don't want to sully that, you know, and that kind of pastoral care with some idea that it's just a place, a way station until you decide to kill yourself. And in some places, that's what it's becoming in some countries. Um, and it's a disaster. It's a pastoral disaster. And so we're trying to do our education up front as to why that's important. Yeah. You've linked for me and been instructive in terms of linking uh, health care, access, and religious freedom concerns. So how do those come together? Well, there's a couple things going on uh, at the legislature. One has to do with medical conscience rights for uh, medical personnel. And so they're able to decide if they're if they feel like a particular procedure is not actually going to be helpful to a patient that they could recede from having to do that. Some of that might be gender issues. It could be some other things as well. Um, already they have that right in abortion in that medical professionals in Iowa uh, do not have to participate in an abortion in any way. I mean, that's in the law. Uh, we'd like to expand that a little bit. And we've also for many years uh, worked on our uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act at the state level, which would just provide a compelling interest test. So if there's something that would a person feels like their religious freedom is being imperiled, they would at least have an argument in court. And that would be the purpose of that bill, and that's something we're working on as well. We'll definitely be tracking that. Of course, the loss of Sarah Aidy here, who went on to something else. Yes, I'm very sad that Sarah is leaving, so we're going to be— but it's a a very particular job a couple days a week, and so we'll be looking, hopefully, for someone to— kind of be the face of our pro-life effort at the Capitol and things like that. So that, that's so, something we're working on. I know you have a skill set there, but any of our potential listeners who might uh, have that involved? Sure. I mean, email me. You know, my email is tom at iowacatholicconference.org. And when I say, you know, for a lot of people, it sounds great to work for the for the bishops, and this would be a great opportunity to start for that. Okay. Well, I hope you've gotten a few long winter naps as uh, it'll be a, a robust session. Thank you, for Tom Chapman. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you to our guest and to all of our listeners in Iowa and Nebraska and Wisconsin or wherever you may be listening to Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org.